Welcome to the Dog Walker's Companion by Life Coach for Dogs. I'm the Life Coach for Dogs, Tim Cornette. This is a weekly podcast dedicated to deepening your relationship with your dog, your community, and yourself. Please comment and subscribe on your favorite podcast service. And if you live in the Cleveland area and have some dog challenges, please feel free to visit lifecoachfordogs.com. Sorry, let me pause for editing. (laughs) (laughs) This is why we have an editor. Please visit lifecoachfordogs.com and schedule your free 30-minute consult today. On this episode, mindfulness, your dog, and... (laughs) That's not right. I was about to say mindfulness, your dog, and Ben Tertian, but that's not the title of this episode. On this episode, mindfulness and your dog... With our guest, Ben Tertian. Ben, thank you so much for for coming on. Hey, Tim. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Uh, You are... Now, how would you describe yourself? So, I'm a meditation teacher. That's what I do. Um, I'm formerly and and still am an attorney. Uh, I haven't practiced law in quite some time, about nine years, but I'm actually looking to get back into it in a very different way um, in the upcoming year. But, uh, but what I've been doing full time for the last seven years is teaching meditation to people who are stressed. Um, so, you know, anyone who really suffers from anxiety, depression, insomnia, ADHD, uh, just feeling overwhelmed in the world, which, which right now, as we record this, I think is a hundred percent of the population. So, uh, yes, if you are recording this or if you were listening to this in the time after the pandemic, well, I'm glad there is a time after the pandemic. That's future. Me is very appreciative of that fact. If you're listening to this, then, uh, so that's interesting. That's actually quite a, uh, that's quite a career flip flop. Uh, were you just around a bunch of stressed people and are like, I, I see an opportunity? No, I was the stressed person. So, you know, like hair club for men, I'm a, you know, I was a member, I'm the client too. Um, so if you go back 12 years, um, I was a first year associate at an international law firm in New York City, where I'm from originally and where I lived up until two years ago. We only moved out here to Cleveland two years ago. Um, so, you know, back in, in 2008, the economy was at not a very dissimilar place to where it is now. I just started working at this international law firm, which would have been a super high pressure, high stress job anyway, but given, um, you know, the, the housing market bubble just exploded, um, it just was was an insanely stressful time. Every day I'd walk into the office and there'd be people sending emails saying, hey, today's my last day at the firm. It was really nice meeting you guys two months ago when I just started, or you know, I've been here for 20 years and today's my last day. So every day, you know, I was going into the office thinking, you know, this is it, I'm getting fired. Um, and I didn't want to join that ever-growing pool of highly qualified attorneys who are smarter than me looking for jobs. Um, So, you know, my battle with anxiety and depression and insomnia and ADHD, which I, which I'd been battling since childhood, uh, you know, just, it it took off to another level. I mean, completely skyrocketed 
to where I was, I was barely functional. Um, and, and at that point in time, you know, I didn't have an easy time in law school either. And through studying for the bar exam. So, you know, I got some help. I was in therapy. I was taking medication for all of my different uh, mental health issues, different medications for different things. Uh, so, you know, I was definitely on the Better Living Through Chemistry program. And, you know, it wasn't really working. It was, it was working enough that when I was in school, I would, I would get myself to class and I could do well enough on exams to get this great job, uh, pass the bar exam and, you know, do a decent job at my job. When I started working, I didn't feel good. I wasn't happy. And I just thought to myself at the time, you know, this is going to be my life. I got to do something else because, you know, I can't up my dosage on any of these medications. And I also don't want to spend any more time in my therapist's office. I was sometimes going there two, three times a week, believe it or not, just because I was in such a terrible place. And so I thought, you know, what else can I do? And meditation wasn't nearly as popular. Meditation was not as nearly as popular as it is now. Um, you know, there were no meditation apps. I mean, you know, the iPhone one came out like later that year or the following year or something like that. So, you know, you couldn't go on Headspace or Calm or any of these super popular apps and learn to meditate. It was really still something that was, that was more so for either the kind of the yoga community or the Buddhist community. Um, it wasn't mainstream. And now so you, I, you, Oh, I'm sorry. You, you've gone through a bunch of things that I think we can touch sure. on to dogs later, like totally okay. like attached to a dog's feelings, but go ahead. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, my therapist recommended to me when I was in law school, that I learned to meditate and he sent me to a Buddhist meditation center and I nearly had an anxiety attack in the meditation session. I, I remember this so clearly. Uh, I show up and it was a Buddhist monk teaching the, the meditation class. So I'm like, you know, I'm, I got an expert. Um, and we're sitting on these round cushions on the floor and he went over some Buddhist philosophy. Now, you know, I came out of law school and, and I studied something completely different in undergrad that had nothing to do with Eastern philosophy. Uh, so, you know, very, very new to me. I found it interesting, but then he said to sit on the cushion and keep your, your palms open on your lap and keep your eyes half open, which Tim, I actually don't even know how to keep my eyes half open. <laughs> um, and he said, you know, sit in the stillness and experience the stillness in your body and the stillness in your mind. And although I could keep my body relatively still, my mind just started to take off and, you know, and I, I knew something wasn't right. And, you know, that when you're anyone who's been really anxious, you get very self-conscious, you know, you're just in your head, you get neurotic, you overthink everything. And here I am like failing this meditation class that I was, I was fairly optimistic about, you know, my therapist said meditation can really help you. I think you should give it a shot if you're open to it. And I was like, I'm open to anything at this point. Um, and here I am having, a near anxiety attack on the meditation cushion. Yeah. So you know what a brain going a million miles an hour needs silence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, I was very disappointed and 
I almost walked out of the class, but I thought to myself, you know, here's, I'm, it was a group class. I'm like, there's other people meditating right now. You know, if I get up and leave, it's going to disturb them. And for whatever reason, I thought it was going to be very disrespectful to the monk who was teaching the class. Uh, now I've gotten to know some of these Buddhist monks over the years. And, and I could tell you right now that monk couldn't have cared less if I left. Um, you know, it wouldn't have disturbed him at all, but everybody else, I didn't want to, I didn't want to disturb anybody. And I, um, I sat through the whole thing, you know, using all my, my, my willpower, my determination to just somehow stay there. And I did, but afterwards, cause I was so disappointed. I said, you know, I got up the courage to go talk to the teachers, talk to the monk. I went up to him. I said, you know, there was no stillness going on in my mind. And I, I said, you know, I'm a very anxious person um, at that point in my life. And I said, you know, is there, I know this is the beginner's class, but is, can I get like a tutor? Uh, is, there, <laughs> is there like extra help? Is there like a remedial class, you know, meditation for anxious neurotic lawyers? Um, and uh, the, the monk looked at me and, and, you know, said, it takes time. And I, I said, okay, how much time, you know, wh when do you get some mastery over this where, where you're really getting something out of it? And he gave me his, you know, I know this was like a one-liner. He said, lifetime to enlightenment. I go, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I walked out of there. I'm like, forget it. I'm not, you know, I'm not the meditation type. This isn't enough for me. And, uh, and so anyway, I left and I was like, I'm not doing this. And, and that was my first year in law school. So three more years of law school, studied for the bar, started working my first year, you know, having these anxiety attacks on a near weekly basis. Um, and, and as I got close to the end of my first year, I'm like, I got to try meditation again. And now, I'm when so you would have an anxiety attack, sorry to interrupt, uh, when sure. you would have an anxiety attack, can you... Uh... Can you articulate what that's like or what the, what like oh, what you were experiencing? Absolutely. Um, imagine that you're relatively healthy and out of nowhere, you feel like you're about to die. Uh, that's what an anxiety attack is like, you know, your heart's pounding in your chest. I mean, literally you feel like your heart's kind of up into your throat where you feel nauseous and sick to your stomach and your mind just kind of spirals out of control. It's like you go to that worst case scenario type thinking um, and, you, and you can't control your body. So it's a very helpless feeling. Um, you know, you really kind of lose this control. And, um, you know, I mean, I remember, I mean, at work it was really problematic because I couldn't really leave. Uh, and so, you know, I just kind of sit in my office and hope no one came in you know, just kind of closed the door. And I was so junior that people were coming in all the time. Like, Hey Ben, did you do this? You know, stop working on that for a minute. I need you to work on this right now. Um, so I was just like, literally, I mean, I couldn't really breathe at that moment anyway, but like, you know, it was like holding my breath. Like I hope no one walks in right now because I don't think I can talk. Um, and, you know, I get myself to calm down enough. I, I would take medication. I was on, you know, the benzodiazepines, the lorazepam, the clonopin. Um, so, you know, I take some clonopin and it would take a few minutes to kick in, but then you'd start to settle down and I'd be able to go back to work and, you know, 
whatever. Um, but yeah, anxiety attack is not fun. I don't wish it on my, my worst enemy. Um, and you know, it's just, it's like extreme, you know, it's beyond extreme nervousness. It's, it's, it's really just this kind of helpless feeling of my body's out of control in a really bad way. You know, a combination of heart racing and nausea, um, and just, you know, I mean, think about receiving the worst news of your life and how you'd feel in that moment and having that moment come out of nowhere, you know, not receiving that bad news, just whatever. Um, the worst anxiety attack I ever had, Tim, was on a beach in Mexico, believe it or not, on vacation. So it wasn't like I was at work. It wasn't like something bad happened. I mean, I was literally on this beach and I was with some friends and they were like, you know, do we need to take you to the hospital right now? Are you okay? You, you know, you're going to die. Um, and I said, I'm not okay, but I'm not going to die. I know what's happening. I'm having an anxiety attack. Um, but I remember I used to, I mean, I used to leave restaurants before the food came out. I'd be, you know, out to dinner with, with some friends or some other couples. And I would just get so anxious that I would, you know, people thought I was just going to the bathroom, but I just wouldn't come back. And, uh, you know, the girlfriend that I was with at the time, I mean, I'd left this poor girl in this place where she was like, had to explain, Hey, uh, I don't know where he went. <laughs> you know, it was like, and so it's always um, when you're relaxing too. I, in my, uh, in my standup, I say I have a, a joke about this, but it's like, you know, in my 20s, I didn't have anxiety. I had problems. Problems are great for people with anxiety because they those have solutions. <laughs> yeah. The, yes. Those problems start to get solved. Then your brain just looking for problems. All problems. Right. No answer. Yeah. So, um so, you know, I'm so happy that I revisited meditation because one of the things that I like to tell everybody, it, and it's so important, is, you know, we tend to have, there's two general assumptions that are wrong about meditation. The first assumption is meditation's all the same. You know, it's the same thing that you do, which is this idea that people have that they sit down and they, you know, either close their eyes or open their eyes or sit down, lie down. And somehow through some very voluntary process, they get their mind to stop thinking. That's I an, think, an impossible task. It, it doesn't work. I think we're getting, uh, I think we're getting into the area for our listeners who are, this is where the area where, uh, where our paths are uh, converging. Um, okay. I, I don't, I don't actually know. I'm not a meditator uh, by practice. Um, but, uh, I do believe in dog walking, uh, dog walking with no, with no stuff, just you and the dog. And we walk along. What I tell my clients is, you know, walk until you're angry and then work through that issue. And then, you know, it's time to come home by the time that you stop being angry, you know, it's time to turn around. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta uh, sit with it. <laughs> Uh, but, um, you know, I think it's, it's a good practice for, uh, for both people and dogs. What got me to you is a, uh, it's a project I'm working on social, social media is leaving us like overwhelmed and anxious. Uh, our dogs are frequently overwhelmed and anxious, overwhelmed and anxious is coming from too much too much stimulus Stuff. at once yeah. yeah it's just too much 
too much stuff. So as much as dogs need the ability to slow down and take in their world piece by piece uh, based off of them, people need that just as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, uh, <laughs> we're, 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 we're kind of running parallel anxieties here. So this is, this, this is actually, this is where I wanted to talk to, talk to you and the, yeah. the power of mindfulness, the power of slowing down your brain. Yeah. And yeah. using your dog to do it. Yeah. Before we get there, I do want to, I, I, I do want to give one of the best tips I could possibly give to anybody. And you just mentioned it, you know, social media has become so problematic in people's lives. And the solution is incredibly simple. Just quit, quit social media, delete your accounts. You know, if you're, if you're over the age of 25, you might remember life before you had a social media account. I certainly, you know, I'm almost 40. I certainly do. Um, and I had a lot better time, uh, when I didn't have it. And so, uh, I deleted all my accounts about a month ago, like permanently deleted because I I used to like take the apps off my phone, like thinking, you know, I just need a break, but then, you know, you get a little bored or there's just kind of this habitual thing. And you're like, Oh, I got, you know, I gotta see what people had for lunch. I gotta go on Instagram. Uh, or or Uh, whatever, see the dog pictures, you know? Um, and so, uh, you know, I got off of it like completely gone. My, my, you know, and, and it's hard to delete your accounts, by the way. They really try to keep you yeah, on they the don't, platforms. They um, don't want you to. I will yeah. say, and I'll tell you my approach, because uh, I've been going through a lot of the similar stuff. I get, I get upset about political stuff and I have virtually no power i i can vote and i'm already doing that so that's you know uh i do what i can but i get i get a state like like ohio it really counts though tim so yeah don't don't yeah please don't don't tell me yeah Yeah. don't not vote and i'm saying don't not care but i um i get myself into a worry loop about it you know i'll i'll watch you know it's like uh, working a sore tooth. I'll just keep on just like going at it. Uh, so, but, and this is where, this is where I, again, I look to the dog, you know, if a dog is overwhelmed and anxious and can't say, you know, if a dog is dog aggressive and just can't handle watching another dog pass by the window, you know, the answer isn't taking out the windows. Uh, it's, you know, dog training and handling it right. piece by piece. There's a lot of positives to social media. You know, it's how oh, I market sure my is. business. And, and I've been inspired by it. And I certainly used to market my business that way too. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I mean, there, it's there, how, there's other ways. I will say, you know, both of my brothers were, uh, were overseas uh, in the military. And it's like, it's life-changing just to like see them that shared a, a terribly Speaking. offensive meme. I know they're okay, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. And that's game-changing, but- No, it's connection in a, yeah. in a good way or a bad way. Yeah, both the good and the bad. So uh, I'm kind of dog training myself with social media and I've kind of blocked out everything, but LinkedIn for right now. Uh, 
Because I in my theory, LinkedIn is like the loose leash walking of social media. Like once I master <laughs> that and yeah, I don't get yeah. distracted, I'll be ready to go on to Instagram and then yeah. Twitter. Yeah. And LinkedIn has a little bit more utility than the other platforms, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 my it's my internet safe space for right now. Sure, but the rest sure. the rest will be coming back. <laughs> um but yeah, so that that's what got me to you uh is this feeling of being overwhelmed and anxious which is i would put not necessarily a human emotion uh you know it's a it's a response to stimulus you know so and go ahead please and and it's it's you know feeling overwhelmed and i think this is important for people to understand is what stress is, you know, we tend to label these things as stressful, you know, the politics is stressful, the pandemic is stressful, the this is stressful, that's stressful. And what these things are, are really demands, you know, or my, hey, listen, my, my, my dog's a mess. My dog is, you know, trying to eat other dogs and uh, whatever, nipping at people or, you know, destroying the furniture or, you know, yeah, please. I love you so much. How come you're ruining my life? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we label all these things as stressful, but really what these things are, are demands. And, and based on the state that you're in, you can either be adaptive to those demands or you can get overwhelmed by them. And this overwhelmed response, when you feel overwhelmed, what that is physiologically in your body is stress. That's what's being stressed is, is being overwhelmed by a demand. So the demand itself may not be inherently stressful, but you being overwhelmed by this. And we have a certain bandwidth. We have a certain threshold. You know, anyone knows that if they're really overwhelmed with lots of things, even kind of the smallest thing can make them feel very anxious, where if they were in a better place, that small thing wouldn't bother them. Um, but, but really where this came from and the dogs are, are really great with this because, you know, dogs, dogs are dogs. And, uh, and I mean, even though that dogs live in a modern world, they don't perceive like laptops and smartphones and, you know, all this stuff the way we do, you know, we got the big brain, um, and dogs are incredibly smart. Some dogs more than others, but, um, right. Just like people, Tim. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The more but, we study, the we're not so far apart. Yeah. Yeah. But 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 the thing is, if you go back in our development, in the, the history of the human species, you know, even back a few thousand years, which is which is kind of a drop in the bucket of the million years of evolution, when you felt overwhelmed. 10,000 years ago, 9,000 years ago, end of the last ice age, you know, what that meant was that your life was actually in danger. So you have this stress response going this, you know, I was describing before that feeling of your heart beating out of your chest. What that's doing is it's moving the blood because you got to fight for your life or you got to run away. You know, you got to go to battle with that thing that's trying to get you, or you got to run away from it, that fight or flight response. But then, you know, in a very short amount of time, our world evolves so rapidly to where, you know, we face demands that aren't life-threatening at all. But the way our body is designed is anything that feels overwhelming, it puts on that stress response. So we have it anyway. Um, So that feeling of being overwhelmed is actually incredibly helpful if you're in a life-threatening situation. If you're in a life-threatening situation, you want fast heart rate, you want 
the adrenaline chemicals like the epinephrine and the norepinephrine, you know, pumping everything up and the cortisol so that you can, you know, you can fight or you can run away. And so, you know, the dogs still have that. I mean, the dogs are perceiving threats, but uh, what you say about dogs and human evolution is side by side. Uh, dogs were the for dogs were the first domesticated animal. They come before agriculture. Like, they pretty much come right before agriculture. Like dogs started following us around and we planted wheat is pretty much the human, the human evolution chart, but it's also the dog evolution chart because they've yeah. been there the entire time, at least, at least from civilization on and a good chunk into our nomadic time. So they've also experienced the same rapid change. And when you see it, yeah, it's, it's a response. It's a response to too much. They may not be taking yeah. in and processing things the same way that we are, but they're still taking in a lot of information at once. Yeah. And that was, you know, that was the story with our dog. Um, so my wife and I, we've been together now over eight years, going on our ninth year together. And, you know, in our, we, we moved pretty quick, uh, you know, from like, first date to like moving in together to engage to married. Um, and, you know, we moved in together and, and we wanted to get a dog. Um, and I've, I grew up with dogs. I love dogs. And we decided we wanted to rescue a dog, you know, this very altruistic thing, you rescue a dog. And so in New York City, in, um, in late August, they have what's called Adopt-a-Palooza, which mm -hmm. is in Union Square. So, you know, if anyone's ever been to New York City, Manhattan, Union Square is this park that's kind of in lower Manhattan, right off of 14th Street, uh, a little skewed towards the east side, but, you know, like two blocks off of Fifth Avenue. And, and a big section of the park is where all the dog rescues in the, in the area, greater New York area, come and they bring their dogs to adopt. And my wife was like, I don't know if I want to go. I'm going to fall in love with all these dogs. I'm going to want to adopt all of them. I, I, you know, I'm going to leave upset. And, you know, I said, you know, we want to get a dog. Like, I think this is rescue a dog. I think this is, you know, a place to look for a dog. And so, you know, we walk in and, um, you know, passing by a few dogs and we get to, uh, you know, we get to, our dog, uh, this, this, uh, female pit bull mix, beautiful dog. Um, and we're talking to the rescue and they said, you know, she was in this abusive home and actually there was a cop who lived next door who literally went into the backyard, um, trespassed, got the dog cause he heard the dog being abused and he got the dog, he brought it to us. Uh, so th this cop stole the dog. <laughs> and um, I have complicated feelings about that. Go on. Brought, brought it, brought it to the rescue. And, um, and you know, that like we're playing with, and she's great. And they're telling us she's great with other dogs. She's great with people. And, and, you know, it's, it's, I mean, just like I fell in love with my wife, like my wife and I fell in love with this dog, you know, it was kind of love at first sight. And so, you know, we fill out the application, they do the background check, they do the home visit, everything. And we get our dog, Brooklyn. Um, and so we, um, you know, we were living on 14th Street, living in New York City. And, you know, here's, here's this dog that's had this traumatic 
backstory of abuse, but seems to us like she's great, you know, getting along with everybody, getting along with the other dogs to go on walks, you know, the sniffing and the playing and go to the dog park and, you know, the wrestling around and the dogs are like rough with her, but she's cool. She's great. Um, and then, uh, it's like three months later, and Tim, I mean, I, I think you've probably heard this, you know, X number of times. I mean, we, we worked with two separate dog trainers with Brooklyn, but, um, three months later, and I think to give you kind of the full story, I went home to my parents' house with Brooklyn for Thanksgiving. So we were there for like four or five days. And my parents at the time had these two Beagle sisters who were ancient, like these, I mean, 15 year old beagles at the time. I think the, the beagles ended up passing away at like 18 and 19 years old. Oh, wow. But the beagles got along with each other, but were very antisocial dogs, like, mm -hmm. you know, very antisocial and not particularly aggressive, just like not into another dog besides the two of them. And so, you know, a little bit of, I mean, I, I guess they were aggressive, like a little bit of growling and whatnot. So, you know, we're at my parents' house for four days with Brooklyn and the Beagles. And the one Beagle, especially Lucy, was giving Brooklyn a hard time, growling at her. And Brooklyn was, um, you know, this very muscular pit bull mix, year and a half, two years old, young, healthy super strong dog and this little ancient decrepit beagles like growling at her and brooklyn was just like you know i don't know what kind of language i could use on a podcast go but for it she, go nuts she's like you know brooklyn's like fuck off like well, you know i what are you gonna do <laughs> right <laughs> right what are you what are you gonna do what are you gonna do and and anyway i feel like we got back to new york city and i take brooklyn to the dog park like i do every afternoon and I didn't really see it go down, but I think this other dog was being like super aggressive and they got into it and it was like a switch. That was uh -huh. it. She was aggressive towards other dogs. And, um, you know, we had in the span of the next year and a half paid vet bills for three other dogs because, um, and you know, real, uh, I'm an attorney, you know, I, I looked up all the, the leash laws and the dog laws and everything uh -huh. in New York. And I, I, I'll tell you, I, we really weren't at fault with at least two of these incidents. Um, once we were in a, another park in New York and this dog was off leash in the park, not in an off leash area. And like came up to, you know, because at that point I knew she was aggressive. I, you know, people would be like, can they meet? I'm like, no, 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 she's good. You know, pull her over to the other side. Um, but this dog came up off the leash and started messing with her. And, and, you know, that was it. And then, you know, another dog walker with a flexi leash with the headphones on. I'm like, no. And oh, like, my God. This is exactly uh, what so, we're talking about. Like, take off the equipment. So it got to the point where you know, New York City was just, it wasn't working for her. She was really stressed and overwhelmed because, you know, the sensory stimulus, I mean, it's like, we're not adapted to it, but especially, you know, we can rationalize things. We kind of understand it. New, New York way. is, is tough. Yeah. So I mean, really and listen, there's, I grew up in New York City. We had an amazing dog. I mean, this dog, this Cocker Spaniel was so well trained. I mean, she'd walk off leash. She'd I mean, she 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 was great. But, you know, this 
poor dog that was traumatized as a puppy, uh, you know, that, that kind of turned a corner and then, you know, went back. Um, and so anyways, uh, you know, I'm looking online, I'm like, you know, I need to find a pit bull sanctuary where this dog can, can be safe and happy, uh, and be out of New York. And my parents who, who love Brooklyn were like, we'll take her. I'm like, well, what about the beagles? And they're like, we'll keep them separate. And they did for about three years till the beagles demise. Cause they were ancient. I mean, no. <laughs> ancient, ancient, ancient. And, you know, Brooklyn's been at my parents' house now. I mean, she's, she's, she's like nine, I think oh, wow. nine or 10 at this point. Um, so she so was super young when you got her. Yeah. They, they estimated she was like a year and a half. Um, I just kind of gave her my birthday. So, uh, <laughs> cause it kind of made sense based on how, you know, a year and a half at that point when we got her. So I want to say we got her in 2012, I guess a year and a half. I put her birthday at like 2011, like April, 2011. So yeah, I mean, she's nine, um, nine and a half, I guess now. And so she's, you know, she's not as buff as she used to be, but she's still pretty fit. You know, she kind of filled out a little bit at my parents' house and she's definitely, you know, she's an older dog now. So she's toned it down. Yeah. Um, you know, I think but, you kind of like circled around kind of an ugly fact is that if something goes down and there's a pit bull involved, the pit bull is going to be blamed whether they're actually at fault or not. Yeah. There's no human I mean, parallel for that. I can't uh, think of one. <laughs> Just get, get, I'm racking my brain. Can't come up with one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wish that was the case. I wish that was the case. Um, so, you know, a happy ending. Brooklyn's been with my parents now for, I don't know, six years. Oh, uh, that's... fenced in yard in the suburbs, quiet streets, you know, not a lot of street traffic. Um, other dogs, but she knows the neighborhood. The dogs know her. Um, and the only dog that she ever really got a, like no issues with my parents had, um, a dog walker who it used to come, you know, take Brooklyn out when they go out of town or whatever. And, um, and he had a bull mastiff and Brooklyn and the bull mastiff were cool. And, you know, he was like, he was like, I'm going to introduce him. My dad's like, I don't know. Brooklyn's really not great with other dogs. He's like, this dog, will, they'll be fine. And they were. And so when my parents go out of town, instead of just coming to the house, he would take Brooklyn home with him with the bull mastiff and they'd, you know, hang out and have a good time. And uh, so um, it's great because, you know, we were, I mean, we were devastated as a couple, like even just leaving Brooklyn with my parents, like not having her, you know, in our apartment in New York again. It's like, you know, it's like, imagine giving up a kid, uh, but at least it's like, I'm giving her to my great, to the grandparents. Um, right. so we'd still get to see her and we still, see, you know, we still obviously see her when we visit and whatnot. Um, and she, she's, she's a fantastic daughter. I love, love her. Um, that's my great. First, you know, yeah. it's, you know, rehoming a dog isn't always a terrible thing. Like, obviously, you were very thoughtful about it, but it parallels human relationships. Like, you gave it a shot, and then after a couple months, it was like, oh, yeah, I've got issues that you're going to have to deal with. And sometimes it works out, and sometimes it doesn't. But it seems like in this case, at the end of the day, it worked 
No, it did. And we, and we were, we really, we worked with two separate dog trainers. We really tried to re-socialize her. Um, I just, I I think it was, I I think it was mostly environment. Like it wasn't going to happen in New York city. Listen, Cleveland is full of New Yorkers who are like, I can't take it there. I need it somewhere more quiet. I, I tell people all the time. I mean, all my buddies, all my friends from New York, it's like, you want to just improve your quality of life overnight. You just move to Cleveland. It's, (laughs) it's, I bet you a lot of them are taking you up on that that offer at this point. Um, Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we're we're friendly with so many, exactly as you said, you know, a lot of people that we've met here in, in Cleveland and Ohio are, you know, the expatriates of New York state, New York city, really. Um, we all say the same thing. And, you know, I mean, if you want to explain the economics of it, there's, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's like, you know, uh, um, New York, it's like your earning potential is as high as it could be, but your cost of living is also as high as it can be. And so, right. you know, you move to the Midwest, your earning potential will go down, but your cost of living goes down that much more. And that gap, that's it, quality of life. Uh, so, you know, you get there. Yeah, no, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's crazy, and it, it's weird how it becomes clearer and clearer the older you get. Like old people, I look at old people in New York like like you look at like <laughs> like old soldiers. Like you survived, man. No, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess <laughs> you know part of, part of me when I think about it that way it feels like I whipped out, but. I mean, no, 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 it is not a whip out at all. I mean, especially looking at things now, you know? Yeah. Uh, No, and, and and my, you know, my family's still in New York. We have so many friends in New York. So I I go, we go back before the pandemic, we went back very, you know, first year that we lived here. um, And most of my meditation students are in New York. So the first year that we lived here, we went back almost every month. Um, And then last year we went back, you know, I think five times. And then we went back in January and that's been it. Um, just, uh, you know, because of, because of everything that's happening in the world. But every time I go back to New York, I'm always reminded how amazing it is and what an incredible place it is. But I'm also reminded how much I, I, I appreciate not having to live there anymore. So, um, you know, I'm a Clevelander now. I'm, I'm in. Uh, <laughs> That's I mean, great. Now, now how be, long? Hopefully, I'll have to become a Canadian next year. But uh... <laughs> well, that's <laughs> just just grab some pierogies on your way up. <laughs> that's... Yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, you can edit that or leave it in. Tim, we'll we'll, we'll leave it in if you don't mind. Uh, <laughs> no. I'm okay with people knowing knowing my slant. It's uh, in dog training world. Uh, I you know I don't I don't want to like virtue signal or anything but like you know the way you interact with your dog is kind of intertwined with your with your life philosophy so like you know i I guess i am trying to virtue signal a little bit i am called life coach for dogs (laughs) um so that's uh how, how long have you uh how long have you been in cleveland so we moved out um, summer 2018, and we we were looking we were looking at houses and stuff the year before. Like we, my wife's from Worcester, Ohio, which is about an hour 15 minutes away from Cleveland. So we we'd come out to Ohio three, four, sometimes five times a year, just straight to Worcester. Um, and then 
you know, now, now some... Worcester is now coming from New York. What was your first impression of of Worcester, which is like Mayberry? It's it's, it's farms and you know it's farms and Amish people, but then suburbia too. Uh, you know, it is it is a college town. College of Worcester's there. That's where my my wife actually went to school. Beautiful hmm. college, beautiful campus. Um, I, w- I was totally into it. You know, the, I'm obviously here because I, I you know, I, I, I like not having the craziness of, of New York city all the time mm-hmm. because, you know, I grew up there. I spent most of my adult life there. So I, I really fantasized about, you know, a quieter world and um, you know, not, not, not to get into relationship detail, with with everybody but i just i'm i'm so fortunate that i love my wife's family and they're really incredibly people incredible people i mean i've been out to ohio before we moved here by myself and stayed with my mother-in-law for a week at a time um and uh and just love them so much so i've always really enjoyed my time here and then really the thing that kind of I, I hope that wasn't the result of an argument like, listen, like just slamming out the door, like I'm going to go stay with your parents for a week. No, no, and not then at slam all. the not door all. on the way out. Not all. We had a trip planned because I actually I would teach meditation while I'd be when I was in Worcester. So we had a trip planned and my wife couldn't make it out. So I already had people signed up to learn to meditate with me. I'm like, I, I don't want to cancel it. I'll go and I'll stay, you know, I'll stay at your mom's house with your stepdad. And I, you know, I love them. I get along with them. It's great. Um and and so anyways you know what happened with us was we were toying with the idea of moving out to ohio and originally the idea was to move out to columbus because um my wife's previous professional life was in fashion and there's actually a a number of companies that are based in columbus um big fashion companies you know like the L brands like limited victoria's secret stuff like that anyways uh, has a lot of stuff yeah, it does. And, and we decided not to, and we, we stuck it out in New York for, for a couple of years. And then, uh, 2015, our daughter was born and you know, we're in a small one bedroom with an infant. And then we eventually graduated to a two bedroom with an infant. And I got to tell you, Tim, like New York city, once you have a kid, it just becomes really expensive and not as much, you know, having a kid's incredibly fun, but like the stuff you did before you had a kid, you don't really do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, you know, you're working all the time. You're trying to spend time with your kid, you know, the childcare, all that stuff is crazy expensive. And so it's just like, you know, what, what are we doing? Um, and it just takes you literally 10 minutes on Zillow kind of looking around Cleveland and you're like, Okay. (laughs) We're there. Um, So we started looking at houses, but you know, the thing that happened with us, which I think is, is fairly typical with a lot of people who aren't from here. It's like, you know, Cleveland has like the East side and the West side. And so we didn't know if we wanted to be West siders or East siders or what. So we decided let's rent an apartment we were looking to rent a house, but then we, we decided to rent an apartment in Ohio city. Um, mm, right. You know, kind of the very near West side, right over the bridge, which reminds me so much, any of the New Yorkers, uh, it reminds me so much of like a Williamsburg, Brooklyn, or even like a Dumbo, Brooklyn. It's like right over the bridge. And it's this, this neighborhood that's really, you know, changing rapidly. Um, 
And so we rented an apartment in the, in the building over there and just thought, you know, let's get Cleveland wired. Let's, let's check it out. Let's not commit to buying a house on, you know, one of these suburbs. And, um, you know, after a year there, uh, we, we, you know, our, our friend base tend to stay like in Ohio city and then start to skew to the East side. So, uh, we're in Shaker, you know, where I'm at right now, where is our house in Shaker that we bought last summer. Um, so we've been in this house a little over, you know, since June of last year. Um, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's great. Um, you know, I, I have to say, I'm really happy that, you know, we're, we're, he, we're here for the pandemic cause we have space. I'm not in like elevators with people. And <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, yeah, I get that. Uh, I get, I, I get that feeling where you, you got out enough time, you're established, yeah. you have a house. Um, and Shaker Heights is lovely for yeah, it's any New great. Yorkers and that might be listening. And it, I mean, it's incredibly, I mean, the diversity, especially, I mean, the diversity in Cleveland in general um, is incredible. But then, you know, in terms of suburbs, Shaker Heights really it has all types of people. Um, Cleveland has what I like to call 1897, like diversity. Like there's, there's still like really distinct neighborhoods of like strong cultures. Yeah, there are, but you know, you go to Shaker Heights high school and you got everybody, you know, you really got everybody. And that's, that's the type of environment that I want my daughter growing up in where it's not like, you know, it's Worcester, Ohio. You don't have everybody. Uh, so, that is very so, true. That is so very. Shaker's been great. Um, you know, the one thing I will say, Tim, that my my daughter and I have been pulling for and pulling for, especially since the pandemic started, is for a dog. We don't have a dog. Oh. Um, so, you know, we just, we, we've had so much going on this year that I think, I, you know, it's not fair to a dog if you don't give the dog enough attention either. Um, so, you know, a dog might be in the, in the mix for 2021. Um, That's probably good. There's a, there's actually kind of a run on dogs right now anyways. Oh, so it's, sure. it's, it's sure. kind of difficult to get one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, everybody wanted a buddy to quarantine with, uh, right? which is a good thing. Yeah. And our, it's, you know, our neighborhood's great too. Our, our, our neighbors across the street have this incredible, uh, they have two dogs. One, one belongs to the parents. The other one belongs to the son. He moved back home during the pandemic, but he has, he is one of the most beautiful Huskies that I've ever seen. This, this dog Keystone, who's incredibly well-trained, um, and super duper friendly. And so, you know, we'll go over and play with Keystones, which is nice. You know, it's like, it's kind of like the grandparent thing. Like you get to like play with the kid, but you don't have to like take care of the kid all the time. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, that's great. And once you get there, Shaker Heights is a great dog walking uh place it's a great place it's a lot of it's there's a lot of stuff to look at there's a lot of hills a lot of parks like it's uh it's clean it's well taken care yeah. of yeah uh i think i think uh what's that show that's set there the hulu one is that oh uh, f- uh little fires everywhere that's what it is yeah yeah, so. yeah. 
which wasn't right. shot here. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the locals here in, in Shaker, I mean, I'm a local here in Shaker, but, you know, the longtime locals are like, this is really misrepresents us. Uh, back when I was still on social media, I would see there's a living in Shaker Heights Facebook group. And uh, there, there, there was a lot of hate for that show. But I, I love Reese Witherspoon. I think she's great. So I enjoyed watching it. Um, I think and I could be wrong, but I think uh, Shaker Heights is also uh, like the fictional background of Calvin and Hobbes or was. Is it? Uh, yeah, but I think Bill, I think Bill Watterson lives in Shaker Heights. I think huh. I could be I could be uh, spreading misinformation. If I am, it will be edited out. And if you repeat it, I apologize. Uh, you know who lives here? Geraldo. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> Actually, similar story. His wife is from the area. It's, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, that's that's what Ohio does. We we send out yeah. we send out women to marry. That's how we keep the uh, the population strong. Pull them back in. Yeah. <laughs> um, so before we before we go, I know. Um, can you give somebody some uh, some mindfulness meditation? uh tips if if they could be skewed towards something you could do on a dog walk even better yeah totally um and and let me ask is this going to be video no just out? audio no just audio okay I'll, I'll do it differently then um so one of the things that i teach is a breathing technique that i, I find to be incredibly helpful in moments of acute stress and, you know, as, as a former dog owner who, who owned a dog that had some issues, uh, it, it, you know, you can get in these high stress situations, especially if you have a dog that has aggression issues towards other dogs on a walk and, you know, frustrated with other dog owners who just like, won't listen to you. Like, no, no, they can't say hi, you know? <laughs> um, and so one of the things I teach is this breathing technique. And I'll just give you kind of the quick overview. I think the, the quickest I can teach it is in about a half hour, but just to give you some keys here. And it relates to a lot to what we were talking about before, Tim, which is this stress response and anxiety. So anyone who's listening to this who's had an anxiety attack knows what happens to your breathing when you're anxious. You start this really fast breathing where you're breathing through your mouth, this, you know, this kind of hyperventilation, <laughs> like that type of breathing. And, you know, using a lot of muscles of your chest and your neck and your shoulders to elevate your rib cage. So what we do is we actually breathe in the opposite way of what would occur if you're having an anxiety attack. So it's really about voluntarily slowing your breathing down, slowing that breathing down, um, and breathing through the nose, both for the inhale and the exhale. And so those two keys are really important. Slow the breathing. Don't try to control your mind. You know, these moments of acute stress, your mind's racing. It's, it's hard to say, you know, people, the worst advice to tell somebody who's, who's really anxious is calm down. You're like, yeah, I know I want to. Um, but so in these moments of acute stress, it's hard to, it's hard to control your mind. It's, it's actually a lot easier to control your body. And so you control your breathing and it sends a signal to your nervous system to settle everything down instead of this fight or flight response. It's, it's this kind of stay in play. So nasal um, breathing. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. 
I didn't sure. mean to cut you off. Sorry, Zoom is terrible for cutting off. Uh, sorry. No, that's okay. We'll get uh, the end on the back end. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, um, yeah, I only wanted to cut in to say that, like, a lot of the, the physical responses of what you're saying also is what your dog is going to do. And this, these breathing techniques that you're describing also, also help if your dog is getting anxious because your dog takes their cue from you. So if you are calming down and are actively trying to calm down, your dog will likely follow suit. Yeah, I can't agree with you more. And, it, you know, for the parents who are listening to this, same with the kids, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're angry and upset. The kids start to get angry and upset. You're calm and relaxed. The kids start to settle down. Same thing with the dogs. And, you know, a, a dog can hear your heart beating. So, you know, your heart rate elevates, they're, they're going to think something's wrong. Um, so you can slow everything down by slowing your breathing down. And one of the best things you can do too, and it takes a little practice is actually using your diaphragm to breathe. So instead, you know, people tend to use their chest and their neck and their shoulders to elevate their rib cage, but using your diaphragm. Um, so, you know, typically it's referred to as belly breathing, but just think as you inhale, you want your belly to expand. And as you exhale, you want your belly to kind of release back into your spine. And to do that, you know, really slowing your breathing down, especially on the exhale, really start to, to exhale very, very slowly. It'll send this signal to your nervous system that you're fine, you're safe, starts to settle everything down. You start to feel calm and relaxed exactly as you said, Tim, dog's going to take that cue too. Hey, it's actually okay. I can be okay. They're okay. Um, you know, versus, oh no, you know, and the dog's going, oh no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah um, like in practical application, you see your dog, like, like the, like the responses you were saying, like they're breathing hard. You can see that chest really moving. Eyes are darting around drool coming up, uh, hair on the back of their neck stands up. Any and all of these things can be like signs that they're, that they're getting to be too much. So if your response would be like, no biscuits, no, no biscuits, don't, don't, biscuits, don't, 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 don't. Like the dog is actually like leading you in that situation. But if, if in practicality, you can see that come and be like, no, bring it down a notch. Let's bring that energy level down. It, it works, I promise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, and so that breathing technique, it's part of a system that I teach. So we do the breathing and then we do a mental technique. Um, but the breathing technique is invaluable. And the thing that's great about meditation is if you actually do it on a regular basis, it's very much like exercise. You get this adaptive response where you don't get that stressed or, or not nearly as stressed as you would otherwise. Um, you know, people are like, Hey, how are you doing during all this? And, and uh, I'm concerned about the pandemic. I'm concerned about the future of the country. Um, would I have a, a, a more anxious experience had I not been meditating for 12 years? Absolutely. You know, I know the way I used to be having these panic attacks. I mean, I would have been like that, you know, I was, I was doing that in the, in the relatively settled environment compared to where we are now. So I just, you know, if you know yourself well enough, this daily practice, you know, you don't, you won't get as anxious on the dog walk, but at least if you work on your breathing in that way, in those moments of acute stress, it can really reset things um, within a few seconds. And, and that can make all the difference between having to pay someone else's vet bills. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's actually when you put it that way, how can you afford not to like calming down can save you several thousand dollars. <laughs> that's um, okay. Yeah. Well, let's um, before we uh, sign off, let's, let's talk about uh, where people can find you. If I mean, there's some people listening that can, Sure. That, 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 can, that can use these these services. Sure. As I mentioned a little bit earlier on the show, uh, the social media is all gone for me. So you're not going to find me on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. You can find me at bentertianmeditation.com. And uh, I'm sure, you know, it's, it's the way my name is spelled and the word meditation. So it's T-U-R-S-H-E-N meditation.com. And, and really, you know, there's a couple of options to work with me. Uh, one of the options that I have, which is great, which is how most people are learning now, uh, at least the initial training to learn the system of meditation that I teach is through my online course. So you can get started tonight or, you know, whenever tonight is when you listen to this. Uh, but then once you, and, or you could train with me individually or in a small group setting one-on-one, um, but once you go through the training, there's a whole follow-up program that all my students have access to. We do these, these regular coaching calls where people can kind of jump on and uh, talk about their practices and, you know, the progress that they're making and any challenges that might come up. So it's not like kind of this one and done thing of, oh, I took the video course, you know, how do I get to the guy? I'm available uh, to my students. And so, you know, that's, it, it's really, there's a, there's a wonderful community of people who um, I've learned to meditate that, that I get to stay in touch with, you know, since 2013, when I started teaching. So, um, you know, all my New York students, my Worcester students, and, and in the last two years, my, uh, my local Cleveland students. So, and then, and, and just to mention also, by the way, uh, in, in the, <laughs> In the current pandemic state, I do teach through video conference. Um, it's it's either video conference through Zoom or outdoors at social distance. I will not go into your house, nor will you come into mine. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> uh, how, I, I have done some dog training lessons over Skype, which I thought I would hate but I actually like it quite a bit uh, because I think it puts more of the it, it puts more on the emphasis on the person doing it and it puts more emphasis on me explaining it clearly. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I, you know, I've actually, I've been teaching remotely through video conference for the last three years. Um, and I've had students as far away as Singapore learn to meditate with me in Stockholm, Sweden. Um, I had a guy recently uh, from Denmark who took my course and, you know, really neat that we can communicate this way. Now, as everybody knows, in the last six months, if you've never worked on video conference, now you are. Um, it's not the same as being in the room with somebody, but uh, it, it's proven to be a highly effective uh, means of learning to meditate. You don't have to be in there. You know, people always, it, it's fights and people are always like, you know, do I have to be in the room with the guy to get the, you know, to get the vibe? That guru bullshit just is is guru bullshit. <laughs> right. Man. You can you can and and I stay as far away from the guru bullshit as I can. Um, <laughs> you can learn Dog to trainers meditate. too, man. Yeah. Yeah, you can learn to meditate on the other end of a video conference 
just fine um, or through a video course. That's uh, that's really great. And I think I think it's really valuable because, you know, just to wrap it up, we're, we're overwhelmed and anxious. Our dogs are overwhelmed and anxious, similar creatures, and we can we can use the, the same tools to get out of it. Yeah. Or, or at and least I, manage I, it. And I always say, you know, you, you come to meditation for fairly selfish reasons. You know, you got this anxiety going on. You're not sleeping at night. You're down, you know, you're, you're, you're feeling distracted and inattentive. And so, you, you know, you want to fix that up for yourself, but really there's everyone who gets to interact with you in the world gets to benefit from your meditation practice. It changes the way you experience the world, but more importantly, it changes the way the world experiences you, which includes your dog. So, you know, the more calm and relaxed and grounded and uh, clear and attentive you are, you know, that's going to rub off on everybody. They get a better version of you. So, you know, if you're sitting there thinking, oh, you know, I'm, I feel fine. Uh, you know, if you, if you think people can get a better experience of you, learn to meditate. That's what it brings out. Well, that sounds, that sounds great, Ben. Thank you so much for, uh, for agreeing to do this. I know it's all sight unseen. Um, that's great. If uh, Go ahead and give us your website one more time. I'll put everything in the show notes. Everything will be available on to the um, on the platform you're listening to, but uh, just one more, awesome. just one more time. Yeah, Let's hear yeah. BenTurshenMeditation.com. You spell my name T-U-R-S-H-E-N. Um, and if you want to send me an email, if you have questions, there's a ton of information on my website. My website will tell you everything you want to know about this. But if you do have questions for me, you could reach out to me at ben at bentertianmeditation.com. That's my direct email. That's a good way if you have questions. Um, I have answers, maybe. Uh, but uh, that's a good way to get in touch. No Facebook, no Instagram, no Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> no social media. It's yeah. part of the problem. And you, you, I, I get you don't want to be too commercially, but like if you're suffering from ADHD, insomnia, uh, the willies, general anxiety, uh, the willies. <laughs> uh, you know, there's there's a lot out there. If you're like if your teeth are chattering, if you've picked up a weird habit lately that you don't want anybody to know about. Uh, if you have dark secrets, um, <laughs> meditation might be for you. <laughs> the willies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ben. Thank All you right. very much. And, hey, this was really uh, fun, Tim. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for agreeing to do it. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye. All right. We did it. We did it. Cool. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, really fun. Uh, I think this will be. I think this will be really good. I'd uh, and uh, as we kind of go into it, uh, I'd love to reach out to you again. Yeah, totally, totally. And uh, when it gets up, let me uh, let me know. I'll uh, I'll send it out to my. You know, I still I'm off of the social media, but I still have my email list, so I'll send oh, it out to people to give a listen. We're probably looking at about at about a month before it'll be up. Cool. Uh, so we have like uh, about three in the queue. So yeah, hopefully it'll be a different world by then. Let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, yeah. So this will come out pre-election, so it'll be somewhat uh, 
timely. somewhat timely, probably. Cool. All right. Cool. Thank you very much, Ben. All right, Tim. Have a good night. See you. Bye.